This is COVID-19 Seattle. I'm Dave Ross. And I'm Aaron Granillo. In a minute, we'll talk about the official cancellation of Seafair. But first, a quick update on contact tracing. Local health departments, you may remember, temporarily stopped contact tracing back in March when they were overwhelmed with the number of coronavirus cases. Since then, Washington State has now hired and trained more than 2,100 people to supplement those local health departments. About a third of these new hires are already at work in socially distanced call stations. The ultimate goal here is to contact each person who tests positive within 24 hours and then call each of their close contacts within 48 hours. Governor Jay Inslee says privacy is of the utmost importance. We have been very dedicated to training the members of the Guard to understand the importance of privacy, to understand the importance of confidentiality, to understand that we're there to help people, not to police them, to ask them to do things voluntarily. So, yeah, the program is voluntary. Governor Inslee there, I think, trying to debunk some theories out there that the government is out for your information and will force you to give it up and will do something if uh, you don't decide to give it up. Yeah, well, they do want your information, but as I understand it, they're, this is not mandatory. They're just hoping for voluntary cooperation. And from what I understand, what, about three-quarters of the people that they have contacted so far have indeed cooperated. But these could be fairly extensive interviews, right? I mean, we're talking about maybe a half hour. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, for the person who gets – who's actually infected, I've heard that they mean they could talk, yeah, I mean, 30 minutes to up to an hour trying to find out where they went, who they came into contact with, where they've been the past – couple of weeks, really. And, of course, there is going to be some high-tech help as well, which is still in development, right? Yeah, right. So to help with national efforts and contact tracing, we've heard about Google and Apple. They're using this Bluetooth technology to alert people if they've come into contact with somebody who's sick. Here's CBS tech analyst Larry Maggot. He explains how this would work. If someone with either an Android or an iPhone comes close to another person with either an Android or an iPhone, the phones can exchange an anonymous code via Bluetooth, simply indicating that they've been near each other. And if one of the people uses an app to report that they're COVID positive, the other person knows that they were exposed to someone, but won't know that person's identity. And Governor Inslee says the state is in early discussions with Google and Apple about potentially using this. Well, the governor says no deals have been made as of yet. And even if they do make this deal, that this Bluetooth technology, this app-based technology would also be entirely voluntary. You'd have to opt in. So this technology will be made available to health departments and they can decide to use it or not or develop their own app around it. And so presumably they'd number people, I suppose, give them a special identity code and then determine if you've been in contact with somebody else who had reported that they uh, tested positive, and then you would get an alert, hey, someone that you were in contact with was positive, and maybe you should get a test. But you wouldn't have any names, right? Correct. Yeah, I mean, that, that that's what Inslee has been saying, too, is that, you know, privacy is the biggest concern here. But, I mean, you're always going to have people who are skeptical whenever the government gets involved with trying to, you know, uh, gain in, gain your personal information. I did a, an interview with um, a student, a graduate student at the University of Washington who's teaming up with Microsoft to develop their own contact tracing app. Uh, the goal there, they say, is, yeah, to, to use sort of an, an, uh, a number to give people a, a number that couldn't be traced back to a person uh, and then delete that information 
once they're healthy. Um, so, I mean, you know, if, if that's the case, then if, if that holds true, if that's possible, then there's no harm in, in trying to give your, your information up in, in, the, uh, in the hopes and efforts of trying to track down this virus and box it in. And if that's the alternative to a general lockdown, which is what the contact tracing is supposed to replace, then people will probably be willing to make that bargain. Right? (laughs) We'll see. I guess we'll see, yeah. While school buildings are closed during the pandemic, the state's superintendent of public instruction is doing his own homework, trying to figure out how to safely bring students back. We're looking at five countries around the world that have attempted to reopen. We're looking at six or seven states that may have a good framework, although nobody's really trying to reopen yet in any of the states. That's State Superintendent Chris Rakedahl. He talked to Cairo Radio's G and Ursula. The health department will guide our regulation. My job is to give a menu of options to districts to say, okay, within those health guidelines, here's what's a possibility for you. you got to design something that makes sense for your community. And he says that's because every community is different. He had a couple of other interesting notes in that interview, by the way. He said like 20% of the students in our state's who have been remote learning still can't do it because they just don't have access to either computers or internets. And he also mentioned that when students come back to school, ultimately, and whenever a vaccine becomes available for the coronavirus, that will be on the required list of immunizations for students. So they will make it mandatory then. Yeah. And of course, you know, the state law does provide some religious and medical exemptions for vaccines. So that would still hold true. But yeah, Rakedahl did mention Gene Ursula that uh, the coronavirus vaccine, whenever it becomes available, students will be required to get one. And we still don't know exactly how they'll put distancing in place, but presumably it would mean either classes meet one week on, one week off, or something like that, or they might have split shifts. Um, I'm not sure how they could pull that off. That's that's going to really uh, mess with parents' schedules, won't it? I've also, what have I heard? Is it in California, perhaps? They're talking about uh, year-round school where they would have school, you know, even during the summer, but then have intermittent breaks throughout the school year. Yes, I've heard of parents around here who'd like to see that. Just year-round school, you you go to school for, what, a month, then come back mm-hmm. for a week or something like that. Right. And um, because one of the problems is that at least in certain communities, Summer is where you lose all the information you learn the rest of the year. And uh, that's what keeps, um, I know that that's what keeps a lot of kids behind. Well, for a kid like me who had summer year-round, that's something that's sacred. You can't can't take away summer break, right? (laughs) Those long summer days. I love those. I love those times. As long as you spend it reminding yourself about uh, what you learned in geometry and doing a lot of reading. Speaking of summer... It's going to look a lot different around the Seattle area this year because the roar of the Navy Blue Angels, they will be silenced as Seafair's major events are canceled, technically rescheduled, according to the organizers, until next year. So that means no torchlight parade, no 4th of July celebration, and the hydroplane races are also called off 
Patrick Harrison is a CFAIR spokesman. Given the uncertainty surrounding the public health safety and combined with guidance for local and state governments, we just really came to the realization that we really need to reschedule all of the signature events for CFAIR into summer of 2021. But Harrison says they'll still try to try their best to keep the vibe of CFAIR around by perhaps throwing neighborhood parades. We've seen all the drive-up birthday parties. Wouldn't it be great to do an Alaska Airlines drive-by of a parade in one neighborhood each week for six weeks throughout the summer, throughout the entire Puget Sound, because Seafair is not just about Seattle. This is the first time in its 71-year history Seafair has had to cancel these events. Any ideas, Dave, to keep the spirit of Seafair alive around here? Well, my proposal was that the Seafair pirates use Zoom to pull off a virtual invasion of Alki in West Seattle. Okay. Uh, That was the best I could come up with. Uh, although, given the pirate reputation, they would probably more likely just try to bomb other people's <laughs> Zoom celebrations. So, uh, who knows? But, I mean, neighborhood parades uh, are nice. We've, we've had uh, some graduation events roll by us here because we live near the high school. And, uh, it, you know, people get out, they cheer, they clap, and uh, it seems to raise spirit. So, why not? The president of the Seafair Pirates, he reached out to us today, by the way. He reached out to our reporter, Chris Sullivan. And he said they'll actually be meeting remotely next week on Tuesday to discuss their plans and if they can make that traditional landing uh, while properly social distancing and keeping the public safe. You should all know their plans by Wednesday of next week. You can fight other pirates, but it's really hard to fight a microscopic virus. So I think the pirates do have to be uh, COVID ready. What What I'm surprised at is that the pirates would actually have an organized meeting like that. I thought that there was, you know, if you're a buccaneer, do you sit down like a corporate board and plan things? No, you get out there and uh, you do your thing. But, um, you know, it's 2020, so everything's got to change. We will be back tomorrow and every day after with a 10-minute rundown of the daily local news. You can subscribe to this podcast. You can also find our news coverage on MyNorthwest.com or listen live at 97.3 FM.